Hey everybody, this is Mark. Welcome to another week, another episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast. We are marching through February. This is Valentine's week. I hope you've got your special Valentine something. But if not, hey, there's always next year. Or if you hurry, Walmart now has things clearanced out for Valentine's Day. Yes, it is the procrastinator's dream destination for all things Valentine's. So hopefully you'll do better than that. Today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes before we begin uh, another longer series conversation. I want to talk to you about the God default. What is the God default? Well, when I explain it to you, you're going to understand. And it's something that it just, it, I really struggle with dealing with Christians in person, but especially online because of this thing that I call the God default default. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast. Grab a cup of coffee. I've got my Americano in my left hand as my right hand is on the uh, slider button for the mixing board. But anyway, so I'm going to grab a sip of coffee and then you get yourself comfortable and we're going to talk about this interesting, albeit frustrating part of dealing with Christians, especially in the online space. The God default on this episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast coming your way in just one moment. I love Christians, mostly because I be one. And, you know, if I understand... John's epistle in 1 John accurately, like it's hard to call yourself a Christian if you don't love Christians, which, you know, it's problematic considering how often Christians act like they don't love each other. And they'll know we're Christians by our love is maybe the biggest inside joke that Jesus ever told. Like, what? That's that's really, um, yeah. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. And then someone came along and write, we are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And if you keep singing that way, I'll be bored. But it is really, really not always the case. But I do love Christians. I think we mean well. I think most Christians overall mean well. I mean well, and some do well at being mean. And so there's always that. What do I mean by the God default? Well, I had a pastor's page on Facebook recently. Not recently. Uh, I had one for several years. And then uh, last year sometime, I just unpublished the page. And it was due in part to this idea of the God default. I started a coaching business. And obviously, the majority of people in my circle are Christians, although I have many friends who are non-Christians or Christians of other denominational stripes. And so I'm not all monolithic in my, in my circle, but it's not uncommon. I mean, the people that are in our circle tend to be the most like us. That's just how it is. And so it was obviously true that most of the people on my Facebook page that interacted with me on a regular basis are other Christians. And then I have in my bio on social media, like that I'm a pastor. And I, I've thought about taking that off several times, but it's still there for now. And so that attracts other Christians. And, you know, Christians are strange, but here's what I mean by the God default. As, I, as I'm doing all that stuff and I had that pastor's page and my, my personal Facebook profile, I'm actually embarrassed at the things that Christians say in response to my posts many, many times. 
Now, if you listen and you follow me on social media and you've said some of these things, please hear it in the spirit in which I intend it. And the spirit in which I intend it is stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Don't do this. There is a doctrine in the Christian community that I can do nothing without Christ. I can do nothing without God. Like, I can't do anything without God, you know. Some people will say, everything bad in me, that's me. Everything good in you see in me, that's Christ. And, uh, and you know, they'll quote verses like, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And, um, you know, without me, ye can do nothing. Which, by the way, means outside of me, ye can do nothing. It doesn't mean that in my absence, ye can do nothing. And I know that may be a fine distinction. But regardless, all of these things that people talk about as if the Christian life is one that consists of acknowledging this one fact. You are absolutely helpless to do anything for yourself. And only God can do anything in your life. That's the God default. So, when I challenge my church members or when I challenge people online to do something like, hey, why don't you strive? Hey, why don't you push back against this disability mindset? Hey, why don't we, why don't we try to attempt to do something for God? Inevitably, somebody is going to pull out their God default button and they're going to feel the need to say into the space something that indicates that, well, actually, you and I don't have the ability to do any of those things. It's only Jesus in us that does those things. right? And, I, and I'm like, why? Why do you have to default? Why do Christians need to default to this idea that only God can do it? You know, the Apostle Paul did say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And he actually lists the large gamut of things that he did. But nowhere in the Apostle Paul's letters, if you read them in total, do you get the idea that the Apostle Paul thought he was a limp meat bag that could only stand on his own two feet or attempt and do anything or strive in any way if God himself did it? In fact, this idea of God only doing all the things in our lives really makes a mockery of the idea of rewards. It seems that Christians still have the ability to do wrong things, but only God can do right things through you. And then, so the, the judgment seat of Christ should then technically just be a, a place where God rewards himself, which which, to be fair, is what you hear in many Christian circles because they will, they will take the picture from John's apocalyptic uh, uh, revelation uh, book of the tw four and 20 elders casting their crowns at Jesus' feet. And because, because you start with the assumption that the four and 20 elders represent the New Testament church, and you go from there to them casting their crowns at his feet, and you extrapolate from there the fact that different crowns are mentioned as rewards. And so, ergo, all of our rewards will be cast at Jesus' feet, which is odd considering the fact that Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. What he meant, it was a slip of the tongue. Jesus was always doing that kind of thing. What he should have said was lay up for me, or lay up for yourselves for me, treasure in heaven, so that when you, whenever you do anything, I'm going to ultimately get all the treasure anyway, and I'm going to be the one in you doing it, which is why I deserve to have all of the treasure, because after all, you could never have done it without my help. Now, loved ones, please hear me clearly. I believe in the importance of the, of the indwelling Spirit of God and being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, but from Old Testament to New Testament, 
And in the Old Testament, before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God still expected his people to exercise strength in obedience and following the Lord, to fight the battles. And God would fight for you in some cases. God would fight on your behalf in other cases. In other cases, God expected... Do you think, for example, that the men wielding the swords in in the battles in the Old Testament weren't actually facing other people with swords and that their muscles weren't tired and that they weren't uh, they weren't sweating. Do you think David was lying when he said he, he longed for a drink of water from the well uh, in Jerusalem or wherever that was? I think it was in Jerusalem. Like that people got thirsty. No, it, oh, it, this is the, this God default that people go to to say, and, and you know, forgive me if this is kind of like, what is Mark going on about? I'm talking about this. I cannot talk to Christian people online and get anything like honesty from them in many cases because they feel like it is the most pious and only proper response to simply remind everybody that you are helpless unless Christ or God does it in you and through you. It is a learned helplessness. So Christian, now, by the way, if that actually worked, then we have to ask ourselves the question, why are so many Christians wandering around and wallowing around in defeat? Well, they just haven't, you know, they haven't surrendered enough. Well, how much surrender, sir? I just need to trust, you need to trust God more. How much more? What's the number? How much is it? How hard? Like I was doing my Pilates exercises the other day and the instructor on the video said, engage your Pilates 20 to 30%. I don't even know how to do that exactly, but at least it gives me a thing. Like what percentage more should I trust God? Listen, this God default where we ignore and we excuse all of our weaknesses as, uh, as inevitable in our lives and really the only good we can hope is that God will do something and then we look around at the Christian community and see such weak inept, corrupt, broken individuals. And we think if it's true that that only God can do these things through believers, then we have to ask ourselves, where the heck is God? Because he's not doing it. The God default is is an attitude of learned helplessness in which we excuse our lack of effort under the guise of spirituality and piously waiting for the indwelling and inworking power of God. And so we stay broken and in bondage and inept for the rest of our lives. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Like there is a there is a battle that we are expected to fight. Husbands, love your wives. Well, but it would be Christ loving her through you, really. No, it's you love your wife. And if you don't love your wife, it's not because God didn't want to love her. And it's not because God doesn't love her, but he expects you to exert the effort. God will come alongside and fight on the behalf of those who are striving and working and struggling, but there are real rewards on the line. There are real rewards on the line. There are real rewards on the line when we fight, when we struggle. And it's only Monday, people. It's Monday. I don't want you to get up off the couch or get up away from your desk and I want you to go punch a hole in a wall somewhere. Do something and say, daggone it, I am going to use the talents and strengths and abilities God has given me and I'm going to go do that. I'm going to stop waiting around for God to magically zap me with superhuman, super spiritual strength to do these things. 
And I'm going to recognize that it's synergy. I'm laboring together with Christ, but I am dead sure, full-blown laboring, doing the thing, running the race. And when I get those rewards, it'll be because my father saw what I did and said, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But the God default people think God's going to say, well done, me in you. It wasn't you, it was me, so I'm really patting myself on the back here. Okay, have I made you mad enough? Anyway, be back tomorrow with a little bit more encouragement. That's all I want to do. I just want to encourage you. Hey, share this episode with people that you want to make mad, and I would love if you would do that. You can share this by word of mouth, or you can share this episode and this podcast on your social media feed. I would love for you to do that. I would love for you to help me out. Or you can just wait for God to do it through you. But God wants to do it through you. (laughs) So I would love for you to do that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your feedback. I'll see you tomorrow on another episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast. Have a great Monday.